Hey everyone, this is Chiefs beat writer Brooke Pryor, and on today's Sports Beat KC podcast, we preview the Chiefs game at the Patriots, go over the Chiefs roster moves, and I chat with Boston Globe Patriots beat reporter Nora Princiati. Enjoy! Everybody, we are live at the Arrowhead practice facility, um, hanging out with you guys to do our Wednesday Facebook Live. It's been on a couple different days in the last couple weeks, but we are back to our normal schedule ahead of the Chiefs Sunday night game in Foxborough. So to preview that, we're going to break it down today. We've got Lynn Worthy on this side of me. On the other side, we've got Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian still on his phone. What a millennial. Um, so I got an opportunity to that hour conference call that I didn't was able to get a question in. I've now got an opportunity to get one oh, great. attention. Oh, even better. Yeah. So we apologize for the delay. I think at one point we advertised or I at false advertising uh, said that this was going to get started at 2.30. But three of us have been on a conference call with Chris Collinsworth and Tony Dungy and Rodney Harrison. To, they were chatting about the Sunday night game and. They chatted for a long time, which was great because we got a lot of information, but um, sometimes phones malfunction, and that led to Vahe waiting for a very long time to get a question in that never came, so you'll have to stay but tuned. We are going to stay with this sucker. We, so. This is what journalism looks like, <laughs> folks. Um, but I think the first thing that we should talk about today is the injuries that the Chiefs have, because starting out the press conference today, Rick Burkholder uh, is the one that opened it up. He's the, what, what's his official title? Head athletic trainer medical guru, doctor, Doctor, if you see him, you know that some serious news is coming, and it did. Um, he had some more updates for us on Laurent Duvernay-Tardif's injury and Armani Watts' injury, both those guys on IR. LDT, they announced that he had a fractured fibula immediately after the game, but they did some more um, research or did some more testing, some MRIs, and found that it was a lot more extensive than they thought. Um, essentially, what, what was it, bro? I'm not going to say it. No? Uh, Mesa <laughs> Nueve? Mesa. I don't know. I have no idea. I thought he said uh, Mesa New whenever he first uh, announced it, so I spelled it M-E-S-A-N-E-W, which is incorrect. I think it's French. Um, I'm not really sure. But essentially what it means is that the ankle twisted or turned and tore ligaments that went up the leg that then tore the fibula. So it's worse than they expected. Sounds like he that Andy Reid is a little bit uncertain about uh, LDT's availability to come back in. Um, and then Armani Watts had the groin injury last week in the game. It was aggravated when he dove for the ball at the goal line. And he has a injury to his core muscle, torn core muscle. I believe it was what it was. Both those guys are having surgery. Um, to you folks here, which one of those is uh, more concerning in your mind? Which one of those IR injuries is the most troublesome? Well, just my first instinct is to say is to say LDT, just because I think the line. I mean, obviously it's not perfect, but it's had some um, pretty meaningful contributions here, and and sort of all, also all worked hand in hand. Um, all these guys have a uh, kind of chemistry with each other that I think is meaningful, having played together a few years. And um, I I don't exactly know what we expect out of uh, out of Jordan um, Debbie, other but, than a great mullet. Yeah, which is covered up during the game. That's so. going to help us with some pregame stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, um, so uh, that, that's what strikes me. But uh, maybe others differ, or maybe others can say it better. Uh, no, I mean I think uh, <laughs> uh, Larry's injury is is the more impactful one. I think just because 
he's so good in space. Like he is their best lineman in the screen game, and that's what they love to run a lot of. But the Armani Watts one is a bummer too. He was coming along really well, and there's there's a feeling inside this building that he was just sort of getting his stride. And you know, in some ways, it's not ironic. People, I hate that word, uh, but it's 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 notable that he heard it making the play of his young career, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, there at the goal line against the tight end. I mean, that that was sort of a sign of like, holy crap, like this guy is really coming along. This is the guy that we were hoping to get when we drafted him. And that's the one that puts him out on IR. That's that's a real bummer. LDT is, is a bigger one, you know, for the, sort of right now for what they're doing. But, you know, gosh, when you consider um, <laughs> they're on their fifth string safety now, right? Like, uh, the fifth and sixth string safeties. You know, Earl Thomas with a broken leg could probably play with this team right now. They might this, ask him to. At this point. It is, that is it. That's right. Marcus Kemp was out there as the emergency Kemp, safety. Uh, which, man, that is not good. make up good. West Kemp, former Missouri receiver. That's right. Who right. could probably <laughs> play a safety for this team. Who, who could have played yeah. Um, Lynn, you have any thoughts that these two didn't tackle about these IR injuries? Uh-huh. Not that they didn't tackle, but I think um, definitely LDT is probably the bigger one. But I don't know if it's more um, immediate because just because of the, you know what Sam mentioned about how they're where they're at with safeties right now. I mean, you know, I mean if you go back to preseason, I mean Barry Sorensen, Watts. I mean Murray came out of the game the other day. I mean that I mean. Josh Lucas hadn't played any. Um, oh, no, Jordan Lucas, excuse me, hadn't played any defense. I think he'd been exclusively special teams and had to play. I think it was fifty snaps or something like mm-hmm. that on Sunday. Um, and now Watts is out. So I mean, you know, it's it's getting to the point where you, you're moving people and everything else. Like that's you get to that point in the NFL season, week five, six. That that could be a big problem. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then. Two other injuries that I think are significant that aren't IR, but Justin Houston did not practice today, um, and Andy Reid said he thought it would be a stretch to see him on Sunday. And then Tano Passigno is dealing with, is he an ankle issue, I believe? Um, and he didn't practice today. And then while we're talking about injuries, Eric Murray also not practicing and Eric Berry also not practicing. But that Justin Houston injury, um, hamstring thing, Sounds like it's going to be pretty significant because they've now signed two outside linebackers in the last, what, 24 hours or so, uh, and Frank Zombo and Nate Orchard. And what do you guys think about those signings? Well, the one thing, just real quick, I I find myself uh, thinking, like, we've been hearing for whatever hostage situation is, day 42 of the the Eric Barry thing, (laughs) day-to-day, et cetera. Andy, like when he when it came to even suggesting Justin Houston was possible, it's like, well, no, that's that's a stretch. That's mm-hmm. down the road, which makes me think, like, you know, how bad is it? I mean, yeah. I I know that it was almost like Andy actually showing his cards. Um, so I I really do. I guess my takeaway from that is I, I really wonder how long Justin Houston will be out. Right. And so. I thought I thought he was dragging a little coming into the season. Um, pardon me. No, it's, it sounds like at least a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Just the way that, that he was talking about that. But it, that's another, just sort of like Armani Watts. Um, I thought Justin Houston was playing better recently. Like came into the season slow and was playing better recently. So <laughs> they are, I know we're going to get to the Patriots game, right? But like <laughs> this team is about to go into New England to play Tom Brady. And they're going to give a lot of defensive snaps to Ron Parker 
and Frank Zombo, who they cut earlier this year because they didn't think they were good enough. You know, the, the, the team that was 32nd in Football Outsiders kind of overall defensive metric DVOA, they were 32nd in the league last year and they're 31st right now. That defense cut both these players and now they're going to have to, they're going to have to play both those guys a lot. You want just a little, little bit of, you know, sort of upside to that? Yeah. I don't know if it's really pertinent, but those two guys were on the team that went in there and skunked New England That's last true. year. And they played a lot. So was Eric Berry. So was Eric Berry. Well, Most of the game, right? What was, yeah. done? what was Eric Berry done in that it was, game? It was over by then. <laughs> <laughs> it was over by then. All right. Uh, yeah. But oh, yeah, him, him and um, Eric Berry was a huge part of that. He was. Of that that game. He was in on a fumble, wasn't he? But he also, like, just covering Gronk and kind of taking that away. Yeah. Justin Houston was a monster in the run game. I mean, just and it felt like he was, he, Eric Berry hit them in ways that, you know, made them think about coming across the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you can't diminish that. It does really seem like, though, that there's some curse that's been cast on this Chiefs team that they can't have both D. Ford and Justin Houston healthy at the same time. Heaven forbid you have your two best pass rushers playing at their prime, and not even playing at their prime, but, like, on the field at the same time. It's been, feels like, rare this season. I mean, Justin Houston, until this injury is played, but D. Ford's been in and out with the groin thing. Um, yeah. Looked like he almost re-aggravated it Sunday, but he wasn't on the injury report, or at least... Wasn't he's practicing? We don't know if he's limited or not because the Chiefs' post-practice report hasn't come out yet. But there, good you, grief! This is a product of having a lot of guys that get hurt a lot. But you can also play that game with Justin Houston and Eric Berry. Yeah, it's a really depressing yeah. game. Like think about yeah. how much Keep different this, oh this God, defense yeah. would be if guys uh-huh. were all healthy at the same time. Yeah, and it just it's mind blowing. Um, yeah. But but those replacements that Justin Houston, that injuries brought in, Frank Zombo, guy that's been here for a while, and then Nate Orchard, who, if you watched Hard Knocks, you know how, um, you know his story. His wife was known for making cookies for the locker room. He said that guys have already been asking him about when those cookies are coming. And, uh, and I expect that you would have been among the first to ask. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, you're you're on, I'm on the cookie, on the cookie beat. beat. I'm yeah, on the yeah. cookie beat. There are beats that I want to be on, and that's number one. Uh, he said that she's coming later this week, but he got here on Monday, signed this morning. And may I just interject that there is a context to that. We're not just accusing you of being a, a, a cookie person. Well, fact, I am. You have precedent. I do. I've Chris asked. Jones. I've also asked Chris Jones about cookies. Yes. Um, Chris Jones and I have a very interesting interview history. Did you eat uh, one? Yeah, on I ate camera, one. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, no, no I, I took it out of the box on camera. <laughs> okay. I ate it in the comfort of my cubby in the workroom, so nobody could see that happen. Okay. Um, so it was delicious because he got a shipment of cookies from a bakery in St. Joe. I saw it on Twitter. I asked him about it. He said, yeah, they're right here. And he opened up the box of cookies and he said, do you want one? I didn't just say, like, can I have one? <laughs> and so then I took a chocolate chip one. I didn't even take the ones that were covered in frosting. Because those were there, but well, those were his. So what, how has that prepared you to talk to Nate Orchard? <laughs> because the first thing I asked, not the first, it was down the line. Look, like I don't get starstruck often, but after watching Hard Knocks, I was really jazzed to talk to him. I was just like, oh man, like I watched this guy's story, and his wife bakes cookies, and I really wanted him to make the team, but now he's here. So I asked about the cookies, and got I got the answer that everybody wants to know. Um, but it seems like he's going to have to come in and play... Pretty quickly. I mean, we asked him about that. Hey, like, do you get the sense from the team that they want you on the field ASAP? And he just kind of gave the standard. Well, I'm in my playbook right now, but added these injuries make it all the more important that he catches up quickly and kind of gets in the groove of the game. I think the interesting thing will be to see how much 
him in Zombo play as opposed to, you know, I mean, Breland Speaks is still healthy as much as people may be down on him or whatever, but he's been getting playing time, and he played 56, or 60 snaps almost <coughs> in this last game when the, when the injuries happened. So, I mean, so you, I mean, you may be seeing Breland Speaks you know, for folks mm-hmm. who want to who, who be down on him. I mean, that he may be getting a lot of that time because he's been here. He knows the playbook. He's you know he's shown some improvement. At least Andy keeps talking about it. And in the last game, you did see him rush the pass a little bit better. He's still inconsistent. That was I mean, his most effective game, don't you think? I think so. Yeah. I mean, well, he, well it's the most time and he was on the field, but you still, like yeah, you still had time. You We're still had about time. the Chiefs defense. Yeah. And, I, and I think I said during the game, it's one of those ones where like he had a bunch of those almost that yeah. if he. You know, if those are almost turned into something, then you say, okay, he was getting there. If those almost are still almost, then, you know, it's like, all right, well, he's a step behind. Yeah. Um, but he could be, you know, the primary. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts that game. I mean, I'm not saying that he will, but, I mean, with Zombo coming in after being gone since camp, Orchard just getting here. Speaks yeah. in here all mm-hmm. the time. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a second-round pick, and they keep saying they like him. So that may be what you're looking at. I think so. By the way, Jacob Callaway wants to know, what's the deal with Kelsey? Andy said he didn't practice either, which I believe that was just Andy misspeaking when he said TK. Wait, I know why you think he didn't practice. He said TK didn't practice. That's Tano Passanio, which case silent. Um, So Kelsey's fine, but that's a great segue into this weekend's game and previewing that um, and how important Kelsey's going to be in this game. Um, We know the Chiefs struggled to guard tight ends, but Kelsey in and of himself is also a tough matchup for the other team. And Lynn, this is something you've been working on. What do you see? What are what are you working on and what's kind of the battle there between Kelsey and Gronk? Obviously not on the field at the same time, but Yeah, yeah. Just the just the idea of like how they set the table for everything else the offense is doing. Or or they become sort of the uh, in Kelsey's case, he can be become sort of the centerpiece. Like I did the film thing this week talking about like you just have to make decisions and the Jaguars, one of the best defenses, maybe the best defense in the NFL had to make decisions and it seemed like they could never pick the right one with Kelsey because they tried to put linebackers on him and he beat him they tried to put safety on him he beat him <laughs> and then and if you just try and zone it and you know try and uh just they'll spread the field on you and they'll mm-hmm. hit you with something else so um there's not a good matchup for him and they move him around so much I mean even you know um the guys in the conference call with Harrison and Collinsworth and Dungy just talking about how you almost have to look at Kelsey as a wide receiver, except he's so big and strong and everything that there's not a matchup that you can go to with that. Um, Gronk on the other side is, you know, maybe he doesn't run as well as Kelsey, and they were talking about, and I, I watched a little bit of the game film from uh, the last game. He doesn't seem like he runs the way that I remember him running. I don't know if they, I guess there was an ankle thing, but he's still just a matchup nightmare too because of his strength and his how he can just bowl people over and they move him around a little bit. Uh, he still plays a lot of the tight end stuff, but he moves around and you have to figure out, especially without Eric Berry, because that was the big thing last year is Eric Berry could sort of take that away. I don't know how they take that away this year, who they turn to. I'm not sure. Like it's not jumping out to me who that person's going to be, but um, that that sets the table for everything, especially with the Patriots now having added Gordon and Edelman back. You got to make decisions there too. The crazy thing is too. I mean, looking at Gronk's stats this year, he's. I mean, week one had a great game, 123 yards and a touchdown. Um, also had a fumble, but since then, 15 yards, two catches. Week two in the loss to Jacksonville, four catches for 51 yards. Uh, week three. Four for 44, the next week six for 75, and he's only had one touchdown this season. Um, 
which is kind of crazy considering how dominant he usually is. Um, and I was talking with Nora Princiati of the Boston Globe for the second half of, of the podcast that will air after we finish talking. Um, and she said that he's been unchar- uncharacteristically quiet because all these defenses have been able to just load up on him with these other threats out. And it feels like maybe this weekend against the Chiefs is going to be that breakout game, having all these threats back. And we know the Chiefs have, have struggled to, to cover that position. Chiefs are capable of creating those threats. <laughs> You're welcome, New uh, England. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what stands out. And, and, and that so it becomes another sort of tier of challenge, even from what they've seen this season. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's, uh, somebody at this table saw the no-punt game in, in uh, 2003. That was a playoff game. It's been on our minds a little bit for some comparison points. But, I mean, how many punts are we going to see in this game? I wouldn't expect a lot. I mean, <laughs> Justin um, Colquitt will be well rested. The uh, I forgot what it was, but somebody told me that the over under is like the highest that the NFL's had in in years. <laughs> and I don't know what the number is, but yeah, somebody told me that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, look like the Chiefs. We just talked about their problems with <laughs> they're going to be missing Eric Berry. Unless he continues to do get we, better. Do we count him as missing? <laughs> yeah, I would. I, I mean, think, already was it um, Pete to the tweet today? He's had 60 consecutive days of getting better. Yeah. So. You know, by uh, the way, there is like, there's a, remember this thing in math where like, if you keep multiplying by one half, you never get to zero. Or yeah. dividing by one half, you never, you still, you get closer. That's <laughs> what it's starting to feel like. It's never going to get <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, all right. So, so Justin Houston's going to be out. Uh, Eric Berry's out. Their, their, their top four safeties are out. Um, who am I missing? Um, passing like so. So th- and, and plus, this is a team that, when healthy, has a problem covering tight ends and running backs. And this New England team, their their leading receiver is Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski, who plays the tight end position. Their second leading receiver is James White, who plays the running back position. Like this is what New England does, and it matches up well with the Chiefs' weakness when the Chiefs are healthy and the Chiefs are very injured. Um, on on the other mm. side, uh, you know, the, the, so they need to score a lot of points themselves on the other side, and that brings up this whole, like, you know, Belichick doing his Belichick thing. And unlike some games, there was a game, I don't know if you guys remember this, three or four years ago, the um, when when the Packers had that 15-1 run, I guess it's more than three or four years ago, 2014, and it wasn't the 15-1 run, but 2014, the Packers were the best team in the NFC, a lot of people thought the Patriots were the best team in the AFC. A lot of people thought they played in the regular season. When they played that game, uh, the Packers won. And a lot of people watching that game thought that the Patriots gave a vanilla game plan because um, uh, they, they were set on the AFC side and they knew that they had a good chance of seeing them in the Super Bowl, didn't want to give stuff away in the regular season. That's not this. In this situation, I would expect Bill Belichick to kind of throw everything out there because if, if they want to play in Foxborough, which is when, you know, the, I, I think the Ravens are the last team to beat them there, right? In a playoff game. And that was a really long time ago. Um, if, if they want to have a chance of doing that, they've got to win this game. They have to because if the, if you don't, they're three and three. The Chiefs are six and oh with the tiebreaker, effectively a three and a half game lead with 10 left. You've Just like we all thought. Yeah, exactly. So, but if you win, now all of a sudden you're a game and a half back effectively. Uh, so it's a huge game for them. I would expect Belichick to do everything he can to to wipe this out. When you say throw everything out there, are you talking about like 
in terms of what exactly? Like, I mean, not holding anything back in terms of of what they think can be effective to disrupt, yeah, no to use a, a, a no. different, you know. Well, whether and I don't so know what that defensively. Means. Yes. Okay. Again, because against, well, and the thing that I wonder. Showtime. <laughs> or, or patty melt. Patty, patty cakes? Or whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever we're doing. Well, the, yeah. the, the, the thing that I questioned is whether, and especially, you know, man, I questioned a little bit and was wondering how they would come at it, and you hear all these things about Belichick, but even Rodney Harrison, who played for Belichick, says, he says he's not sure that they're going to be able to do, but so much they're going to be able to get too exotic because the personnel of the Chiefs, they can't match up with that and yeah. do all these weird things. He's like, yeah, they're going to try and probably give, you know, Mahomes some different looks, but you can't get too crazy when you can't cover mm-hmm. these guys one on one. And he looked at, he said, their personnel, he just doesn't, he just, I mean, I believe he said he had no faith in either one of these defenses, but <laughs> I mean, that includes the Patriots. He said, they, they can't do that one on one. He said, yeah. he doesn't believe they have the personnel. Um, and so he even talked about him and Dungey sort of had a back and forth talking about, um, what they had done in the past. I think it was back in 04, um, to the Indianapolis Colts back then. And talking about how they just literally played, two deep safeties and said, okay, if you want to run the ball, we'll let you run it. And Dungy said they ran the same play like 12 times in a row, but then they fumbled in the red zone. And that was a perfect possession for the Patriots. Yeah. So I wonder if you see more vanilla just because they have to personnel-wise. The one thing I wonder if they can do, um, I was watching this afternoon some of the, look, I, I get their different quarterbacks or whatever, but the, the Patriots played the Texans last year when Deshaun Watson was, was ripping it up, and they played the Texans this year. Patriots won both games, but Deshaun Watson had a, a big game against them last year and did not this year. I think he was about 50% completions, 175 yards, I think, and, and every other game he's gone over 300. And the biggest difference, I think, they tried to blitz and, and get after Watson last year, and he got out of the pocket and made some plays on him. And, and this year, they sort of rushed forward and tried to contain him a little bit and, and, and shrink the windows behind, you know, in, in front of Watson. And I, wonder, I wonder if that's something to do here to keep him in the pocket. He's been great in the pocket, but he's also been deadly um, outside the pocket. I just wonder if that's one little, not exotic, but that's no, one little yeah, thing that you yeah. can do to, that, that maybe teams haven't done yet against uh, Patty Melt. But, of course, I think the, then it becomes a matter of Patty Melt throwing into those tight windows versus Watson. I think I'm, it's early. I'm putting my money on Patty Mel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're different quarterbacks, um, for sure. And, and I think um, Mahomes can do that um, from <laughs> – we've seen it lots. Uh, a lot of times to Anthony Sherman. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just it's just one thing that I've noticed. Maybe, maybe they'll do it. Maybe they won't. By the way, Aaron says, is this game going to be like Oklahoma-Texas Tech game Patrick Mahomes was in in college? And I'm going to speak for everyone and say, God, I hope not. Um, well, you were there for that, weren't you? For yeah, because exactly. The Oklahoma game, for the Ex- Cleveland game. <laughs> <laughs> Basically the Oklahoma game. Yeah, I'd really like to hold on to that storyline for like another month. And then uh, <laughs> then we'll trot that out there. So for the sake of that and for the sake of uh, we don't want to be in Foxborough until 4 a.m., I hope that's not what it's like. Um, I also think both of these defenses are a little bit better than Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Um, I would say no disrespect, but like the, both of those were really bad. So you think there's going to be what was that score? Seventy one sixty five or sixty six? It was it was seventy to sixty something, I believe. So you don't think we'll quite see that? I no. So I if don't, you believe I, in our hearts, it will go. It will be the over. Yes. So fifties, right? Fifties, <laughs> not seventies. Oh my 50s. gosh, what is the over under set at this game? But you said, Sam, that you think that over under is like the highest in years. I'm, I'm set well, at 
or from what you can tell? As, as a prominent American would say, some people are saying that. <laughs> uh, I haven't double checked that, but some people are saying that's the highest over under in, in years. So that's, I hate to say that's become your standard. Yeah. I better not go here. Let's uh, um, 58, it opened, and it's been bet up to uh, 59 and a half. Yeah, I'd take the over on that. Would you not? And, but then again, I thought that people should take the over on, uh, was it two weeks ago, the uh, Chiefs 49ers? And I'm trying to think if they ended up going over. The one thing I wouldn't want is to have money on the game, and now you're betting against Tom Brady scoring against the Chiefs defense and betting against Patrick Mahomes scoring. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's fair. That, that does not seem to be the, the side of that that you want to be on. Yeah. Of course, really, the side that you want to be on is not to be a gambler. Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the fun in that? Yeah. Right. If you don't like fun, is it illegal in our state? Uh, yeah. Or your state? I mean, it's is legal. Your state fighting it. What's the deal? It's legal on a phone. Blair knows. What's I mean, the, I don't know about legal. Um, it's, it's doable on a phone. Doable. Kids. Yeah. It's legal everywhere. It's just. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Not state endorsed. Right. State we endorsed. learn something okay. new every day. Yeah. Uh, but like thirty-five, thirty-one covers by six points. Yeah. And that's not. That's completely believable. Oh, absolutely. I think I have well, my well, final. How many games covered? I mean, they, they were that in the first game, second game. Forty-five, Virtually forty-one. All of their right? I mean, yeah. uh, would have covered in the first game, second game, third game. Uh, not in the fourth game, not in the fifth game. So they'd be three and two. With a with a fifty-eight. Yeah, and and with a fifty-eight point. Yeah, over-under. and also the two games that that Which would not have covered the, the other team's quarterback was Case Keenum and Blake Bortles. This one is a different guy. <laughs> Who's better? <laughs> seems like a seems like a low number. Oh uh, yeah. Now, now that we're talking it through. Seems like a really definitely low take number. the definitely take the over. By the way, Brian says the Pats are saying they have to make Mahomes uncomfortable. Is that possible? Mahomes never looks uncomfortable, even when the rush is on. For example, on Sunday, his rollout near the goal line, where he stops near the sideline and drilled it and drilled it back to Conley in the end zone. Is it possible to make Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable? I thought he was uncomfortable in the first half in Denver. I thought so too. So yes. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's, we haven't seen much. We haven't seen much of a uh, downside to it, right? I mean, you see, I think confusion was the word we would mm-hmm. use in Denver, and and it wasn't sharp. But you know, you get the whole game to play, yeah. And that's the thing, right? You work through those things, and or you don't. And so far, you've shown that you can work through that and work through throwing two interceptions. I'm with you. So I don't. I don't mean. I, look, I think there will be times he will be uncomfortable, no doubt. Um, and I. I don't know. I still like to see what's happening by the fourth quarter. By the way, Bill also says any word on Sammy Watkins or D Ford, and we'll know more of that later today when the injury, when the practice report comes out. But both of them practiced today. Don't know if it was limited or full. Um, Sammy Watkins, I believe, was fine at the yeah. end of the game. Um, D Ford was dealing with that groin injury, but it didn't keep him out for an extended period of time Sunday. The thing that kept him out was the ejection. Um, so that's not good. Uh, and speaking of the ejection, Vahe, you were with me in that scrum around Chris Jones. <laughs> the same. The <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Let's just segue. Like that. Right there. That was me. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, that was Captain Mao was the ejection. That was yep. Nimble. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Chris Jones was also pretty uh, deft during that interview, chatting with him about the nastiness of this defense. I think the word nasty was probably used like 20 times in this interview, and I'll take partial blame for that. I think, I think 17 were from you. Right? Yeah, yeah, I was all over it. Um, but we asked him, I finally asked him about the ejection. He didn't get asked about it on Sunday, and I said, you know, I don't, I don't believe we asked you about this. What happened there? And he just said, I don't remember it. So, but he could remember the pick six, and he could remember a pick six in high school. He blacked out, though, I guess, for the punch or whatever it was that you want to call it. But it seems like this defense has really found an edge. Um, whether it lasts, I don't know. But, Vahe, what was your takeaway from that scrum with Chris? Well, first of all, this, this has been – this is probably evident. We, we really couldn't see what, let's say, precipitated that. I, I'd like to think of some physical instead of verbal – but it was like a high school move, like, you know, giving somebody the dead leg. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just kind of bizarre. And really, I do feel like I missed an opportunity to demonstrate to him what he did to remind <sighs> him. It was, I think it was more like that. Yeah. The um, dumbest part of it, there was an official as close to him as I, I am mean, to you. Also yeah. a camera. Like, just, like yeah, we just, all saw it. Yeah. And I don't know. So he... he I followed up on your question and just kind of asked him what Andy might have suggested to him uh, in, if there was a conversation with Andy. And all he basically did was acknowledge that Andy said you have to control your temper. But I bet it was a little more animated conversation than that that we'll, we'll never learn more about. But Chris is an interesting cat in many ways. Like today, I don't know if it was because he knew he was going to get asked about about the ejection. But in a way, he was almost subdued in his demeanor. He was really right? subdued. But yeah. then, then when he got the chance to do a little, you know, a showtime talk, he kind of lit up a little bit. Yeah. But he was, he was kind of like almost cautious. Well, when we started our interview, it was just, uh, I just walked over by myself and started talking to him. He still had his headphones on for like the first question. And I, he's never done that with me before. Well, one, one thing we've talked about this before, and I, I, at least it's been my observation, and I, I wonder if you guys agree. Most of the time, we would like to get an athlete by themselves to talk to them. Mm-hmm. With Chris Jones, you want a camera along. I and mean, I got <laughs> about 10 of them. So. Yeah. And so, because he just responds differently to a camera. At least that's been my experience. Uh, and so, uh, I don't know. So, uh, what are we to make of where his head is? And, and don't the Patriots know no? know now even more than before how he can be provoked. Yeah, well, and Bill Belichick, I think, mentioned today how how good he is and how fiery he is, which is still so interesting because off the field, he just kind of seems like this big teddy bear, kind of. Um, And I actually asked him, I did not phrase it very well, but I asked him, (laughs) because of Sam, (laughs) how he gets so scary on the field, which I jokingly said I was going to ask him beforehand, and Sam said, yes, you should word it that way. So I did, and Chris's response was, excuse me? So... That didn't get a great answer, but I rephrased it and just said, where does this anger and intimidation come from? Because when he's on the field, I mean, when he's off the field, he's smiling, he's eating cookies, he's, you know, just kind of this fun guy, and then he gets on the field, and it's like the switch flips, and especially flipped last week when the whole defense kind of seemed to turn on this this nasty edge, um, and he was just like, I, I have no idea where it comes from. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting that... He just has these two sides, and he gets on the field. But I swear, like, I'll have to go back and look at the video. I almost thought he was smiling when he dead-legged the guy. <laughs> Maybe just in my mind, that's what I have decided. But I, I just... want to go back to that tape. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I want to break that down. 
Um, you mentioned it being like a high school thing. And I just got to say. And by the way, I don't even, mean high school football. I mean like somebody in the hallway in high school. Like, Well, um, no, I was going to say high school football because even in high school, the guys that I knew knew enough that you do that behind the play. You know, when the refs run away, you don't right. do it in the middle. So maybe he's never done it before. Maybe it was, yeah, this see? was his first dirty play. See, if he if he had gone to high school where I went to high school, you'd know. You gotta do that behind the play. You get away with a lot of stuff behind the play. Um, <laughs> but I also wonder, like you you talk about uh, the provoke being provoked and all that sort of stuff. I think part of it was just the Jaguars in that game brought it out of them because I think I'm trying to remember if it was Andy mentioned um, that you know they'd seen a lot of that on tape. As in, it sounded like going into that game, they were expecting a lot of the, the extra stuff after the whistles, the pushing, the shoving, blah, blah, blah. so I wonder if. Seeing that during the week going into the game added to that so that when the game came about and guys are giving you a little extra shove, the guys were already like in their mind, like, maybe, we're not taking this. Yeah, and maybe a combination of that and, and, and just basically being told over and over how much the defense is no good. I mean, that's certainly been a popular mm-hmm. point. And I wonder if at some point, you know, you're like, okay, we put up or shut up or whatever. That, that, I don't know exactly how Chiefs coaches use bulletin board material. Maybe there's no such thing as bulletin boards anymore. But I guarantee you that stuff is employed in some way, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's called Twitter. Bulletin yeah, board. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you just pin the tweet. Yeah. Um, by the way, both Sam and I have been reviewing the, the dead leg hit, and it does not appear that he smiles because you can't even see his face. So I think... The, I just added that in my mind. The, if, if that was on an over, if that was on a replay, it would be inconclusive. It would, it would be the inconclusive. The call on the field would stand. In my, in my head, it was way. a situation like the Breland speech in speaks college. Yeah, that's what I had in my head. <laughs> but, uh, depending on what team it is. It was, it was not a great look for, for Chris Jones regardless because no. that – you don't want that. And I thought I actually, in a way, I was a little disappointed in Chris. I don't mean to be such you a buddy, but, but, but Chris, Chris, I mean, you kind of need to own that, right? Right. I, mean, I punched a guy in the leg in front of everybody on earth, <laughs> and I, you know, and Can he didn't even really, he didn't even really joke about it, right? He, he actually tried to make it sound like he really didn't remember. Oh, he's smiling as he's walking off. Okay, that's that okay. Hey. Hi. Okay, there you go. Thank you. I'm not crazy. But it's just I mean, look how close be. the ref is. Like he's just right saying. He's just do it behind the play. You got to do it behind the play. Right? Yeah. Good memory, bro. And Vahe just hit him with that. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Uh, somebody said that they've heard it speculated that the offensive lineman had gone at his knees earlier. I hadn't heard that, but I don't know. But I, it, I, I what, do bet it, there was something. Yeah, something physical. Well, then is uh, Brian mentioned what was the deal with uh, D Ford's unsportsmanlike penalties? Seemed like the Jags were doing more talking provocation, which well, that was weird too because it was like eight yards. And Chris um, D had to go out of his way to go over there to do the extra talking. Yes, right. He I mean, was well, that, I mean, was he that was, a, who no, was he it, was Bortles? he was chasing. It was Bortles. He was part yeah, of the group that was chasing. Yeah, but I mean, him. he was down. He had, Bortles had skittered across the sideline, and, he, and he then he went over more. Yeah, yeah. Um, just like, did he think nobody was going to see it, or I just? <laughs> well, I think he <laughs> thought that these other guys have been doing the same thing. Yeah, and and they were, but like, I, I just. <laughs> Look, like if it's the rule, you shouldn't do it. Whatever, especially when you already have a, a personal foul and you're one away from the all that stuff. But like in an NFL game, like what did you say in the tweet? He got a penalty for being mean. Yeah, like spoke too harshly. He spoke too, too harshly. Are we, are we at that point where you can't talk? That that's a flag in an NFL game. Talking, talking. Silent lunch. <laughs> 
That's what you have to have after I that. Mean, it, it reminds me to of a quarterback. Uh, yeah. Do you remember when the, the Chiefs played? You would like when the Chiefs played in Houston. Do you remember this player like a couple years ago? And uh, Marcus Peters got a 15 yarder for like doing this. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. where yes. are we? Where are we in yes. the world? I do remember. These are that. NFL players. Like, let them talk. Like what Chris Jones did, that should be like that. That's <laughs> pretty clear. <laughs> we can. That's a hard there's note. things we can all agree on. Yeah, yeah. But like talking, really? Yeah. And like, and the Jags were talking, and like, if one of them got kicked out for like, you know, was it Jalen Ramsey was walking by Tyreek Hill, like doing, oh, yeah. you know, mocking him like that? Don't flag that. Like that's just that's, that's funny. just fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't take the fun out of football any more than it's already been taken that's out. That's true. Um, and Jim wants to know if the NFL will hand down a suspension for Ford and Jones. I think we'd already know by now, correct? No, no, I'd be surprised. No. Friday or Saturday. Okay, okay, so suspension. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, suspension. Yeah, suspension. No, they could be fined. I expect would, Jones to be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The fine will know end of the week, but no suspension. Yeah. Right. I, it's like, like Kareem Hunt got the fine last Saturday for the, yeah. the Monday thing that he didn't even get a penalty for. Mm-hmm. Right. But you can't. Yeah. No, you can't suspend people for for talking trash on the football field. What are you talking? Come on, get <laughs> out of here with that. <laughs> Soft. Suspending people is. for talking trash. Um, like Masterpiece Theater? We can't we have to speak the King's English and all. Get out of here with that. <laughs> well, we are closing in on about 40 minutes, which means that we need to uh, hop out of here and actually write some words today. Um, so before we go, though, I think we should all make predictions. We already talked about how I think we're universally taking the over on this game, but what do we think the final score is going to be and how is it going to happen? Who would like to go first? <laughs> Do you guys want to rock, paper, scissor it out? Or? We're going to your turf. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember because I, I Something did. you wrote somewhere else. You got no, remember. well, I, I, I did a, uh, a, a podcast, yeah, and I gave a prediction. I'm trying to remember what the heck did I give. I'm trying to stay consistent. So I think I said Chiefs 30 to 24. So we'll, we'll the under, the under. Yeah, so I guess this, I didn't know what the over-under was at the time. I'm just trying so to stay consistent. So not universally taking the over. Undertaker. Um, I'll go uh, Patriots uh, 38-34. 41-35. Patriots? Right. Yeah. We don't even have to say it. Okay. I've got Patriots uh, 38-30. Or no, 38-35 was my score. Okay. Blair, you want to chime in? Uh, 38 seems to be a popular number for the Patriots. I think the Patriots have scored 38 at least last week and maybe their last two games. Yeah, their last two games. Mm. The win against Miami and the win against the Colts. The Patriots scored 38 points both times. So why would they not hit it three in a row? 38-33. 38-33 from Blair. There it is. So on that note, we're going to sign off here. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash sportspass.
Welcome back to KC Sports Beat. I'm Chiefs Beat writer Brooke Pryor. Uh, on the line with me, we have Boston Globe Patriots Beat reporter, reporter Nora Princiati, who um, is a champ because we've already recorded this podcast, um, and you will never be able to listen to it unless, um, I don't know, unless my internet files are leaked to the world, which hopefully they aren't. Um, so yeah, so Nora's on the other line. She covers the Patriots. Nora, for the second time today, how are you doing? Good. Brooke, you said reporter like you're from Boston. You said reporter. <laughs> I'm just getting in the mood. That's what it is. Yeah, you're ready. You're hyped up. I love it. Well, and my beat partner, Lynn Worthy, is from Massachusetts, so he must be rubbing off on me. Um, next thing you know, like my family that's from upstate New York will disown me when I stop saying like coffee and a hot roll and then I just won't be invited <laughs> to like our family reunions. Oh my God. Is there, and now we're, we like just talked about how we screwed this up the first time and we're like, no, we can make it shorter and like <laughs> choppier. And now I'm like asking other questions. Is there a Kansas city accent? Mm, not that I have found. Okay. I, not that I've heard. And I like, my family, my mom's family's from upstate New York. I was born in North Carolina. I've lived there and in Oklahoma City and now Kansas City. And I have to say, Kansas City is the first place that I haven't noticed an accent from anybody. So okay. I don't know if there is a Midwest accent and my ears just aren't trained, but who knows? I'll investigate it. Um, more you- what are you going to say? I just said, the more you know. Exactly, exactly. So, but we will give the people who are listening to this lots of information so they will know more things uh, about the Patriots. Um, First of all, Andy Reid is 2-0 against the Patriots in the regular season. He won there last year in the season opener. And then in 2014, the uh, infamous, as you pointed out in the previous podcast, onto Cincinnati game. Um, which the Chiefs will be on to Cincinnati regardless of whatever happens this weekend because they have a primetime meeting with Cincinnati in two weeks, just flexed to Sunday night football. Um, But first up is this Sunday night football game. So, Nora, looking at this offense right now, is this team and this offense back on track after those two early losses to the Lions and the Jaguars? Yeah, I mean, I think they're fine. Um, The Patriots have a history of, kind of playing badly at the start of the season in, in September's um, and they also just personnel wise have a lot more to work with than they did in those couple of losses to the Jaguars and the Lions, particularly the Lions um, because they were without two of their best defensive players. And then on offense, now they're working with Julian Edelman, and Josh Gordon, who, you know, every week gets, gets more his belt and who they initially showed a a willingness to make you know not an enormous part of the game plan but um he started playing quickly and and was you know didn't seem to be on um a tiny snap count from the start here so I think just they're much closer to a full deck than they were earlier in the season um it's hard to overstate how important Edelman is to this offense and especially early when the running game was struggling too, they just were in a situation where defenses were like, okay, we're going to take away Gronk and then we'll be done. That's all we have to do today. And that's a bad situation to put yourself in. So I'm not surprised that they've, they've gotten it together. Um, 
as you were referencing, Chiefs games around here have a tendency to go badly and then whip everyone into just the most unbelievable frenzy. So I think there is like, there's just sort of this added, maybe not nervousness, but it, it gets like hyped up in a way um, where people are like, Oh my God, is this going to be another disaster game? Uh, you know, not that those disaster games have voted so poorly for seasons on the whole, but, you know, going back to the Andre Cincinnati game, which I pray Andy Reid finds a way to to work into <laughs> his post-game presser. You'll have to keep us updated on if he does. But um, going back to there, I mean, just some of the worst Patriots moments of the last five years uh, have involved the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think, you know, particularly because those other games were early, too, and they were part of the slow starts that are sometimes typical of the Patriots. It freaks people out, but I would say that on the whole, like things should be better. You mentioned that Edelman's return is huge for the offense, especially for a guy like Gronk and the chiefs have really struggled guarding tight ends. Gronk seems like he's kind of had a a quiet start to this season. What kind of game could he have against the, against the chiefs? And do you think this is going to be his breakout performance of the season so far? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. You mentioned that Kansas City struggled covering tight ends. And Gronk, I mean, he's got an incentive-laden contract that he's not coming close to uh, hitting the full value of at this point. And he's finally getting a little bit more space to work with. So you got to figure that he's motivated for it, that he really wants it. And, you know, it's he doesn't really look different when he's playing. And, and you figure that with someone with his talent level and skill set, it's really only a matter of time. Um, And particularly, as I said, with now, you know, a a fuller set of weapons available on offense, uh, you would hope that things open up for him. Um, And this might be the week for it. I mean, if it's not this week, you got to think it's coming. And so you combine that with an offense that's excuse me, with a defense that struggled covering tight ends and and you figure, you know, it could be a natural fit for that. This defense hasn't only struggled with tight ends. They've also struggled in the run game. Um, They leave, I believe, as you've said earlier, a lot to be desired. Um, With rookie Sony Michelle, kind of seems like he's anchoring this running back group. Is he capable of carrying the load and really exploiting some of those matchups and and weaknesses in the Chiefs defense? Well, I mean... Yeah, because they've certainly, the Patriots have certainly shown that they're willing to ask him to carry their running game. I mean, they entered the Colts game with two active running backs, one of whom was James White, who's just a a really wonderful third down back, but he's mostly a pass catcher. Um, And so in terms of what they were asking Michelle to do, it was kind of like, okay, he's going to be the kind of bell cow and he's going to get a lot of run. Uh, he's not getting the same type of usage rate that he was in the beginning of the season. He didn't play the first game, um, but in the second and third games when he did not do so well, um, he was touching the ball on, I think, 80% of the snaps that he was in the game for. Uh, And it hasn't come down that much, um, but it has come down. It's like low 70s now. So I think it, you know, maybe it helps that it's a little bit less predictable. Uh, they have a few more instances where, you know, a defense defense can't just assume that it's going to Michelle if he's in the game. Um, I think it's, it's hard with a rookie uh, just because the hardest thing to learn is pass protection. Um, 
So if they don't have them in there, they're not going to have them in there if they don't trust them in pass protection in situations where someone else is getting the ball. So again, there is a predictability factor, but even so they've shown a willingness to enter the game without a backup to give him that type of usage rate. They did just re-sign Kenyon Barner um, as a third running back. Uh, that position here, um, Rex Burkhead uh, and Jeremy Hill has been really hit with injuries. So it's, it's been a little bit tough going. But within that context, it doesn't seem like they're scared at all to really rely on him. So I would expect that they, that they keep doing it. And, I mean, he's done really well the last couple of games. It hasn't been perfect. Uh, one of the things that he struggled with is negative plays. Um, he has gotten, a, a, I think it's like 12 stuffs or something. Um, so even though he's broken some big runs, there's still some areas to work on, but you would have to think that against one of the poor run defenses in the league, uh, it might be a good time to keep working on some of that stuff. And none of the games in the past have indicated that they would, you know, be looking to go away from, from Michelle. So I think you'll see a lot of him. And looking at, uh, Tom Brady, I can't even say his name. I'm just going to lose my voice. Um, Tom Brady's thrown six interceptions this season including two on consecutive drives in the Colts game. Um, what What's going on with him? I mean, is this acceptable, expected? Um, how, how do you see his season as it's kind of developed so far? So the two in the Colts game were not his fault. Uh, one was very much on Chris Hogan, and the other was very much on Rob Gronkowski, and it was actually initially ruled a fumble because Gronk caught it. Um, but... Then it, then all of a sudden it was an interception. Um, so, I mean, he's made some bad decisions. One of the weird things about Brady, and I don't know if this is just the last few years that I've been covering the team, or if I, I would really have to go back and, and figure out if this is a thing. He gets his money's worth out of his interceptions sometimes. Like even in these years where he only throws you know like five all season or whatever, there will be a few in there that are just so bad. Where it's like, you're Tom Brady. How could you ever throw that ball? Um, so sometimes like there is a little bit of a weird thing with him where he'll have these really bad interceptions, but just so few of them. And it kind of feels counterintuitive. Uh, I, I, I think he'll work it out. Um, they haven't been, you know, they don't seem like physical errors where he just didn't have as much as he thought on a ball or anything like that. He's just making some bad decisions. Um, and I think if there's one thing that you can trust to be pretty consistent with Tom Brady overall is that he is a good decision maker on the football field. So I, I think he'll get it worked out. I know that they're working on it. Uh, there's there's nothing hated as much around here as interceptions, turnovers. Um, they're plus one in, in turnover differential right now, but that's really thanks to their defense uh, doing a good job of being opportunistic. So I, I think that's probably something that the offense is hearing a lot about on the practice field and in their meeting rooms, and I, I think they will clean it up. If there is one area of weakness for this offense, is it the turnovers, or is there another area that you could point to that the Chiefs defense would probably like to exploit? Well, so far, and it's a little bit interesting because I think um, we're expecting to see Gordon do a little bit more as a deep threat, run a little bit more vertically. Um, 
right now to me, it's just that they're not forcing opponents to defend the entire field. Because again, even as over the last couple of weeks, we've seen Josh Gordon get integrated uh, into the offense a little bit. He actually hasn't um, really run those routes. It's been interesting. He's almost run more of the, you know, sort of timing based quicker stuff underneath uh, than he has just the, the big play, you know, vertical downfield stuff, which you would think on not a lot of days of practice and, and time with game plans and to learn the offense, you'd think it would be easier to ask him to do that. But that just hasn't been the case. He has um, really just one deep reception and it was on a broken play um, and it went for a touchdown and it was incredible. And it made people, you know, say stuff about Randy Moss that was a little bit excessive, but <laughs> It wasn't on purpose. That's not what they were trying to do on that play. Uh, so what I would say right now is is just that um, they're not they're not stretching the defenses that they're playing by offering up a really solid deep threat. And maybe Gordon will will start giving that to them, which is when I think they could you know become really dangerous. I think not having that uh, in combination with the running game getting off to a slow start was really hampering them early because it just, again, it just left them in that place where it was like cover Gronk and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's what I would say for now is the thing that I'm paying attention to. Well, going over to the other side of the ball, to the guy who does really like to stretch the field, uh, Patrick Mahomes, he's shown incredible arm strength with just a flick of the wrist. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, he's a guy that defenses have really struggled to defend and not just him, but the weapons that he has around him, who are two or three guys that you would point to as being keys for the, the kind of the, the way that the, that I can't use my words today. Who are guys that are going to be important in trying to defend Patrick Mahomes? Well, so I think we've seen, we were talking about this earlier when we attempted take one of this, (laughs) (laughs) but one of the things that really stood out to me and, and it should be obvious, um, seeing, this team recover from the Lions game to the Dolphins game um, is just how valuable Trey Flowers is to the Patriots defense. And the reason I say it's obvious is because he's probably their best defensive player, but I think sometimes it gets lost here because we pay so much attention and rightfully so to the organization and the system and, you know, everybody sort of being on the same page and being well coached here that it almost makes you, not take seriously enough or start to forget about how important it is to have really good players play. (laughs) And it just seemed like um, Flowers offered a really stark example of that. Uh, And I do think that he could, could potentially be a significant player against the Chiefs because one of the things that's just seems so incredible about Mahomes is, is, his ability to throw off balance, extend plays, it's, they're not, you think they're over, and then somehow he just, like, throws off one foot with his wrist, jumping upside down, doing a backflip, you know, <laughs> patting his head and rubbing his stomach at the same time or whatever. Um, and Flowers is, is, I mean, no one's good in those situations, but he's effective against those types of players, I think, because he is a disciplined player and and besides being disruptive and and able to get after the quarterback, I don't think he gets tricked. Um, I don't think he, he loses his pursuit. I don't think he will, you know, veer off because he thinks it's over. And then all of a sudden Mahomes does something magical. Um, 
I, I think he's good in those types of situations. Um, so I would just look for the, the sort of presence that he adds on the defensive line. And then um, I always love a good tight end battle uh, for Patrick Chung. So I'll definitely be watching him um, potentially covering Kelsey. And then uh, another one that I'll say is that Stephon Gilmore, when you get a good Stephon Gilmore game, it's like incredible to watch and it doesn't always happen. And I really, there's like no, you know, the Chiefs receivers are really good. So there's no, and there's a lot of them. So there's no particular reason that I would believe that, you know, this is lining up to be a good Stephon Gilmore game, but just watch for it. Because when you get them, like when he's just the body control, the leaping ability, he, he can just be incredible. Um, so th- those are three. We did two last time. Give you a bonus. I know, man. That's people are going to be thrilled that we lost the other podcast. Um, and, what other podcast? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. It's gone forever. Um, and looking at the the Patriots' defense ranks twenty fifth in, in third down, um, while Kansas City's offense is fourth in the NFL at converting those third downs. How much is that going to be something that you're watching on Sunday night? Definitely. I mean, it's always, it's always telling. Um, it's the type of thing that you don't see Patriots defenses normally struggle with so badly. Um, although it is sometimes when they have very bad results, sometimes it, it, uh, you tend to see that. Um, you know, with them, as with anyone really, um, it's not just about the third down plays. It's them getting in bad situations on first and second down. Uh, they had a really tough time during that two game losing stretch covering running backs, um, and defending the run. And and they were just letting, you know, a lot of those sort of quicker shiftier backs, uh, get the edge on them constantly. I mean, the the big one was carry on Johnson for the lions who had the first hundred yard rushing game for a game for a Detroit lion. I tried to say game and day at the same time. for a Detroit lion in like, it was like since 2015 or 14 or something like that. It was, it was just an insanely long stretch. Um, so the Patriots defense help, holds the, the dishonor of having allowed him to accomplish that. Um, and giving up those sorts of plays, you know, one of the complaints was um, certainly that their linebackers looked really slow. Uh, and giving up a lot of those was, was putting their opponents in really good situations where, you know, even if they needed to convert a third down, it was third and short. They weren't in a lot of third and longs. So the percentages were still pretty good. Um, so it's definitely something to watch. I mean, just as in any game, if, if one team is doing a lot better on third down than the other, you probably have a pretty safe guess at who's winning the game. Um, but we'll see. It's not something that they normally struggle with. Right. And looking at special teams, the punt coverage also ranks 25th in the NFL, allowing 11.8 yards per return. I asked you this before. We'll see if your answers changed in the last 30 minutes. Will the Patriots punt to Tyreek Hill? No. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. A I'm hard not no. No, they, they, they will do anything possible, I bet, to keep it out of his hands. Um, I think we tend to see this, uh, the example I gave you last time was on kickoffs, but last year when they played the Raiders, they clearly just wanted to do 
everything they could to make sure that Cordell Patterson did not get to return a kick. Um, Cordell Patterson is now on the Patriots, uh, so you can see in a number of ways what they think of his abilities. Uh, but I would just say that you know Bill Belichick has a lot of respect for special teams players, and I think when there's when there's guys like that that can really do damage there, he tends to show that respect by saying, we don't want you to have a single opportunity, uh, if at all possible. It's a smart move by him. Um, and now we will go ahead and do the score prediction. I have I can't even remember what your prediction was last time. Um, so but, if you want to change it, you can. Uh, score prediction and how you think it's going to happen. Okay, so I won't change it. I said 38-30, okay, uh, okay. Patriots. I don't really know. It's, it's, this is what we were talking about last time. I don't really know... I don't feel like I have a good handle on this game. Um, and I will say that the last game that I felt like I didn't really have that strong of a handle on, but still picked the Patriots in was the Super Bowl. So that didn't go very well. Um, but I just have a feeling that, um, I mean, you would have to tell me, but I think it's more likely that we see the Chiefs defense from the first four weeks of the season um, than from last week uh, on Sunday, and the Patriots offense has scored 38 points back-to-back games. There's really no reason why they should be slowing down. In fact, there are plenty of reasons why they should be speeding up. Um, and I don't know, how many times can they lose crappy games to the Chiefs? Like, <laughs> it has to stop at some point. Yeah, Maybe this is just a law of averages pick. Um I mean, I think the Chiefs have looked incredible. I just, I, it's just a spot that I'm having a hard time picking against them in, which again is exactly what I said before the Super Bowl. So it shows <laughs> what I know. Well, I'm with you with the law of averages thing. I think it works in a diff- in a lot of different ways. A, like you said, they've lo- the Chiefs have beaten the Patriots the last two times in really just ridiculous wins, um, and the Chiefs are five and zero this year which I don't think anybody saw coming. I mean, not to slight the Chiefs, but, I mean, they had a young quarterback. They have so many different pieces that are trying to learn each other. The defense hasn't been great. Eric Berry hasn't played. So for them to be undefeated at this point in the season is, I mean, not at all what was expected. And I think that this may be that game that some of those things kind of catch up to them, Um, especially with Justin Houston likely out with a hamstring strain. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif on the offensive line is out with a broken fibula. Um, I think that the Patriots end up winning 38 or 30, 38, 35. And I think it's going to come down to a game winning field goal. Um, something that just, you know, I have to go on autopilot and write the story for. Um, but I think it's going to be another exciting game because the chiefs seem to really thrive in prime time, which is good for them because they have a bunch of prime time games coming up this season, Thursday game, Monday game, at least warm, one more Sunday night game. Um, after this week. So this will just be one of those probably epics of this season. Um, so until the game is played, Nora, where can people follow your work? BostonGlobe.com or my Twitter is at Nora I occasionally tweet stuff out, but it's mostly my dog or just like complaints. That sounds like a Twitter account I want to follow. Um, and for Chiefs coverage, you can follow our work at KansasCity.com or at my Twitter at BE Pryor or in the newspaper if you still get one of those on your doorstep every morning. So, Nora, I will let you run to locker room now that I've taken up, feels like your entire afternoon. 
Uh, thanks so much for coming on and for being flexible and for recording two podcasts. It's all good. Thanks, Brooke. <laughs>